Acts chapter 16 this morning. Book of Acts chapter 16. Amen. Amen. Thankful for thankful for all the children. Thankful for the the songs, the testimonies, the answer prayers. God, He's a good God. Thankful we can come in together and get into His Word. Uh, I, I tell you what, His Word is powerful. Uh, I, I've said many times in, in all those years of school and everything else, I read many books, uh, read Supreme Court decisions, read all kinds of things, uh, and there is nothing like this Bible. You know, it, uh, I've got many books on my bookshelf. Uh, bookshelves at home and everything else and I've read some good books and usually I won't read them again every once in a while I'll reread a book but this book this Bible I keep coming back to it over and over again and I'm thankful for it I'm glad we have God's word but Acts chapter 16 we're going to be down in verse 25 is where we start so Acts 16 25 says this and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when they had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for already blessing us this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd use me uh, to preach your word. Lord, make it clear to us. Lord, help us to see what you have for us today. And Lord, I pray that you'd touch hearts. Lord, I don't know everyone's situation that's here, uh, but Lord, if someone seeking. Lord, if someone, uh, Lord, wants answers, Lord, I pray that you would be the answer. And Lord, I pray uh, that you'd help each and every one of us to draw closer to you. And Lord, to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. So what led up to this story is Paul and Silas were with Timothy and Luke, and they're all traveling together to Philippi. Uh, and there, it's the Sabbath day. They're getting together to go to prayer. Uh, and on the way, they meet Lydia. Uh, and there, she became a follower of Jesus Christ. And then they abode in her house while they were there. So they're continuing, uh, you know, to do this, to go to pray. Uh, and the story, uh, just a few verses above, they run into this slave girl, and she is possessed, and her masters made money on her by her fortune telling and uh, you know that she kind of cried out to them several times and Paul commands that spirit to come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ and what it did is it made her masters angry they were angry because she was no longer fortune telling for them anymore Uh, so what they do is they drag Paul and Silas into the marketplace so in those days the marketplace was right in the center of town uh, and that's where the the leaders of the town were and judges and everything else and they accused 
Paul and Silas of troubling the city. Verse 21, before we read, says, And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. So uh, they were saying, hey, uh, you know, our town, uh, we've got idols that we believe in. We've got uh, these Roman gods that we've set up. Uh, we trust in them. And they're saying to trust in Jesus. And really the thing that they were mad about is uh, it, it was bad for business. They lost their income. So what happens is Paul and Silas are severely beaten. They're whipped. Their backs are covered in cuts and and everything else from the the beating. And it would have been very painful. And then they're locked up in these chains and these stocks in the innermost part of the jail. And you think about it. All they were doing was heading on the Sabbath to go pray. And then they find themselves in prison, locked up in the middle of prison. Uh, You know, they were heading uh, to worship God and ran into this and find themselves in prison. Uh, This heavy persecution just because they set this girl free. And then it makes you wonder, what, what would you do if you were in their shoes? What would you do if you were in a trial like this? But aren't you glad they did the right thing? Verse 25 that we started there in the prison. Remember, they probably started early in the day. They've been in prison for quite a while now. And it says, and at midnight in verse 25, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Uh, They're uh, being thrown into prison, uh, you know, because of following Jesus, because of trusting in him. And here's the thing. I I don't know, we're probably never going to be thrown in jail for the exact same circumstances, but you never know if because of faith in Jesus Christ in some countries, that is illegal. That would get you thrown in jail. All because of Christ. Here they are, they're, they're praying and singing praises to God. And I've said this many times, the best thing to do when you're in a trial, in despair, when you're frustrated, when you're depressed, when you're doubting, when you're fearing, when you're angry or angry at God, even the best thing to do is just to stop and to pray and to thank God and to praise God. And I, every time I've ever done that, it's lifted me up and helped me. Did it make the situation go away? No, the trial was still there. Uh, did it make everything, uh, uh, you know, rose uh, colored glasses? I've No, uh, there were still issues, but I remembered that there was a God that would help me, a God that's helped me in the past, a God that's got promises that I can lean on in his word. It's helped me and it'll help you. But I like the end of verse 25. So they're, they're, they're praying and singing praises unto God. And it says, and the prisoners heard them. You hear that? They weren't quiet about it. Right. They weren't quiet about it. They didn't just hide in the corner there and do it quietly. They did it out in the open to where the whole prison was filled with their praises and their prayers and everything else. And you see that they would have watched Paul and Silas come in. They would have seen their backs bloodied from the beating and the whipping. Uh, They would have seen them fastened to those stocks that were uncomfortable and painful. And then they hear echoing off the walls of the jail that night. They hear them praising Jesus Christ. Well, other prisoners are cursing right and and frustrated and angry and everything else there they are praising Jesus Christ they're wondering who are these people right who are these people what are they what are they doing and who is this Jesus you're hearing about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead I'm telling you what this world is watching and listening to you and I you know when they watch and listen the most when we're in a trial Right? When things aren't going well. 
because there's an expectation of when things aren't going well, we're just going to give up, right? We're going to lock ourselves. Uh, we're going to hide ourselves. We're going to go away. We're going to be angry. We're going to blame God and everything else. But when we don't, and even when it is frustrating and we still say that God will take care of me, this world sees it and hears it. There's nothing better than when you praise in the middle of a trial and trust God. Praise him on credit, like I've said. They hear it and it shocked them. So there's Paul and Silas, bruised, bleeding, but praising God so loudly that everyone could hear. And then verse 26, we've got an earthquake that happens. A great earthquake. It says it shook the foundations of the prison, but it didn't knock it down. It didn't knock the prison walls down. In fact, it didn't cause the roof to collapse or anything else. All it did was open the prison doors. That's a miracle right there that God did. Uh, it didn't crush them or anything else. Just cause their bands to be loose. Uh, uh, that's what it said. So the foundation of the prisons were shaken immediate, immediately. All the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. That's a miracle right there. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. That jailer wakes up out of his sleep, sees the doors open, knows that it is his job. He's accountable for all of those prisoners. And uh, in fact, in Acts chapter 12, uh, the time that uh, Paul escaped from prison, Herod orders all the, car the guards that were there to be killed. That's normally what would have happened. And in verse 23, he was charged to keep all the prisoners safe and accounted for. And just as he's about to take his own life with his own sword, Paul cries out, verse 28, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Yeah. Right? Don't do anything yeah. yet. Hold on. Wait a second. Verse 29, and then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. See, he thought... All the prisoners was gone. He thought he was done, right? They, his life for the prisoner's life, that's what it would have been in those days. But instead, he comes out. He's trembling. He falls at their feet. He had just stared death in the face. And now this hardened Roman soldier is trembling and fell down at the feet of Paul and Silas. And he wasn't scared because of the earthquake, right? It was a great earthquake. That didn't scare him, right? It didn't scare him that the prisoners were loose. It scared him that two men stayed there, right? Two men stayed right there and said, wait a second. And this could have been the same prisoner that beat them just hours before. Right? Could have been the same one. We don't know. Or at least was there uh, and approved of the beating, being head of the prison. So instead of escaping for their freedom, Paul and Silas stayed back. Why did they do that? Why did they care uh, for his life more than their own lives? They had their own personal comfort and everything else. But now they're voluntarily staying in the prison. And you know what? It was that love and that compassion that caused them to stay there and say, wait a second, don't do anything. They care more about his soul than their freedom, than their comfort, than anything else. And that scared that jailer, right? It scared him. He's like, what is this? Right? I, I have seen the temple to the big God uh, here in town. I, I've seen people offer sacrifice to it. I've seen all sorts of different things, but I've never seen a God that would change somebody like that. Yeah. 
I've never seen a God that would cause somebody in pain uh, that was wrongfully jailed and beaten uh, to, to worship and praise and everything else. I've never seen that. I, I've never seen where they would care about me more than themselves. They saw that and it humbled him and he was amazed by it. But do you see his question? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Probably the most important question, one of the most we have in the Bible is what must I do to be saved? And in order to answer the jailer's question, we need to ask another question. What must I do to be lost? What, what do I need to do to need saving? Right? That, that's the question that comes before it. You know what the Bible says? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right. You want to know what you need to do to be lost? Nothing. You don't have to do anything. It, every single human being since the beginning of the earth has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God expects perfection. That's what he, if you can't perfectly follow everything that he's done, you are, you are sinning against him. You're transgressing. You're falling short of God. And all the good things that God created and has given to us. You know what mankind has done? We've perverted all of it. We've turned good into evil. That's what we've done. We've fallen short of God's expectations. But then back to the question, if, we, if we're all lost, we don't need to do anything to be lost. What must I do to be saved? And notice that word in there in the middle. What must I do to be saved? What's it take, right? What things do I need to accomplish? And we look down uh, at verse 31. And what's verse 31 say? Go through a bunch of confirmation classes. It doesn't say that. Take a pilgrimage to the Holy Land or to Mecca or somewhere else. Doesn't say that. Pass out tracts. Change your name. Pray at certain times of the day. Go through religious classes or some religious ceremony. Speak in tongues. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. I could go on and on and on. What must I do to be saved? The Bible doesn't list any of those things. None of them. You know what the answer is? Verse 31 says this. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Yeah. That's what they said. That's it. You're saying, wait a second, Mike. Don't I have to do something? Some ritual? Some task? Don't I have to go through certain things? No. No, you know what the Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what he's saying? Salvation is a free gift. That's what the Bible says. And you know where that gift comes from? Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? Jesus Christ. If we can do it ourselves, then we would be proud of it. We would boast of it. We would say, I, I've made my way to heaven, right? If I could do that, if I could do certain things, we'd get proud about it. But instead, we have to come to Jesus and say, there's nothing I can do. I am a sinner. There, I, 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 I have, my sin has separated me from the holy God. There's nothing I can do. Until you have Jesus Christ, Amen. who lived a perfect life. He did what we couldn't. He was our substitute. Yes. And we come to him with nothing. Right. And we ask him, Lord, I need forgiveness. Yes. 
I need to trust in that you paid for my sins on the cross and you didn't just die, but you rose from the dead. Right? Everything on him. He did what we couldn't do. He paid the price. He gave his life for mine. In verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. I don't know what the jailer was thinking. I don't know what he said. But I, I could guess he said, you know what? My house needs to hear this too. Right? My whole family needs to hear this. And they rushed to his house and they preached Jesus Christ to the whole house. And if you've noticed right here, uh, uh, this is Luke. Uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts. He wrote both the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And uh, this is he's the physician, right? He's the learned one. He's the doctor. Uh, and, uh, you know, so he uh, is very historical. He is very he's very good at what he's written. Uh, but then look at verse 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. Do you see what he's starting to say? Uh, he's saying, hey, and the earthquake happened and the jailer asked and we said, believe on the Lord. Jesus Christ and they spoke into the house and that same hour Luke's getting excited right here he's retelling the story and he's saying hey look what happened God changed everything and 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 his life was changed forever the the jailer do you see this verse 33 and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes this is the jailer and was baptized he and all his straightway or immediately Verse 34, and he went and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So now that same jailer that either beat them or had them be beaten is now washing their stripes. Right. Why? Because they're now together. They're now on the same side. Paul and Silas uh, had shared Jesus. It had changed his life completely. Now remember, he had been so close to death. He was ready to plunge the sword into himself and take his own life. And now that same hour, he's heard Jesus Christ and his life is never the same. Isn't that what happened to you and I? Uh, maybe we, we weren't a jailer. We didn't have a sword to ourselves. But I'm telling you what, we were all headed to death, right? The wages of in his death. That's what the Bible says. Our sin leads to death and then to hell. And, and, and because of that, uh, once we heard the truth, all of a sudden we realized we needed Jesus Christ. Amen. And then when we accepted him, everything changed just like that. His life's never the same. His whole house heard the gospel. They all believed and were all baptized. You know, the Bible's clear. In each one of these stories, you see the same thing. You see a repentance. You see a turning, right? From that proud soldier. Then he's kneeling down and saying, what do I do? Right? To then trusting in Jesus by faith. And then after that, they get baptized. Because sometimes people put baptism first. But no, it's always after in the Bible. Romans 10.9 goes right along with it. What must I do to be saved? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. You come to Jesus admitting you're a sinner and you humble yourself and seek to him for forgiveness of sins and ask him to give you a new life. You will be saved. It will happen. And that same new life that the jailer had, you can have as well if you trust in the same Jesus. So after they believe and after they preach Jesus Christ, the house believes they're baptized straightway. 
And again, I said baptism doesn't save you. But you know what that baptism does? It tells every single one around you that you've changed, right? It says it's an outward thing, an outward sign of what's happened on the inside. We can't see your heart. We can't see that you've changed, that you've accepted Jesus Christ. But when you say, you know what? Jesus was baptized. He told us to be baptized. And now we, I am going to do the same thing. Remember, it's a picture of him. The old, the old man is going down into the water. It's a picture of dying. And then the new man is coming up. What did Jesus do? He went down into the grave in death. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. Amen. It's an outward showing of what's happened on the inside. And if you've trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, but you haven't been baptized, you need to sooner rather than later. And then verse 34, and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them. They had they had a meal, a late night one, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Remember how the story started? There's Paul and Silas rejoicing in the middle of the prison, right? Just hours before. They were headed to prayer. Everything changed. They find themselves in prison. And instead of feeling sorry for themselves or being angry or everything else, they decide they're going to pray and praise God anyway. And now a few hours later, they're out of the jail. The same one that put them in jail and could have possibly been the one beating them. We don't know. But now he has them in his house. They're being fed. Their, their stripes have been tended to all the injuries and everything. And now they're, what are they doing again? They're all rejoicing again together. They went from rejoicing in the prison to now the rejoicing in the jailer's house and now him and his whole house are one of them isn't that wonderful that's why i say we can praise god in a storm we can praise god when things are going wrong even when you get bad news from the doctor even when you uh, uh things happen in your family and everything else we can still praise god and i'll tell you what it's not easy but every time i've ever done it it's been a blessing because then on the other side, you praise him even more. Yeah. And this is what happened. A life changed. A great victory that day came out of persecution. And it all started because Paul and Silas wanted to head to prayer on the Sabbath. Oh, yes, their, their plans were greatly changed. But in the end, it was even better than what they could have imagined that day. But let me ask you two questions tonight or today in, in closing. For the Christians that are saved by Jesus Christ, are you living a life today that would make someone ask you, what must I do to be saved? What, what do I need to do to get what you have? Right? I see you're different. I see you the way you're living. I see, yes, you have bad things happen to you, but no, instead of crumbling and giving up, you're trusting in Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus? Are we living a life that would cause somebody to want to come to us to know about Jesus Christ? Because we need to be. Amen. We need to be someone where they can see a difference. Because if they look at us and they, they know that we go to church, they know that we trust in Christ. Yet if we look exactly the same to the world, if we talk like the world, act like the world and everything else, they're not going to want the Jesus that we have because they'll say, I don't need it. I can, have, I can do all this myself. We need to show them that a life with Christ changes you from the inside out. Amen. We need to show them that there's a Bible that's true and we can trust in it. But then if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've never admitted that you're a sinner, what about you today? 
What must you to be saved? We, we talked about it. Jesus, he doesn't want to, to bring, it's not like I, I gather all the great things about myself and bring it to Jesus. No, you admit that you have nothing to bring to him. You admit that without him, you're lost. There's nothing. But aren't you glad that he didn't leave us that way? He sent his only son. God himself was with us. He lived and breathed. And, and he went through all kinds of infirmity. He went through all the problems that we have in this life. He, he went through betrayal and everything else. He felt pain. He felt hunger. He was tired. And, and, and in spite of all of that, he lived a perfect life that we could never do. And he died for our sins. See, I can't die for your sin. You can't die for mine. But a perfect God and a perfect man together in one, Jesus Christ, he did die for your sins. Are you ready to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today? He wants to save you today. In fact, he's been waiting for you to turn to him. He wants to forgive you of your sins and start a relationship with you. And that's the whole reason he came to this earth. He paid the price for your sins and mine and rose in victory. He's ready to forgive you now. Are you ready? Isn't that a wonderful story, isn't it? But you know what? This story could be our story too. You can come in and you can say, you know what? I I thought this was going to happen today. I thought this would be a normal day at work. I thought it would be a normal whatever gathering or whatever, whatever you're doing. But then all of a sudden someone came to me and asked me, about Jesus Christ. I'll never forget the day I was sitting at home and I don't even know how, how he found my number, but some, somebody out of the blue calls me and says, hey, I want to be baptized. I said, well, we need to talk about this. And then I explained to him through the Bible what we were talking about in Sunday school this morning. The Ethiopian eunuch, he, he asked, sir, what would hinder me to be baptized? And he said, you've got to believe on Jesus Christ yeah. first. And I led the man through that. He came that night uh, uh, to the service and he accepted Jesus Christ that night. I would have had no idea. I had no idea someone's calling me out of the blue. That doesn't really happen. But God had better plans. You know, all I, all I needed to do was just be ready. Amen. You realize I didn't have a script. I didn't have time to prepare or anything else. But you know what? God gave me every word I needed to say. Yeah. He helped me through it. Why? Because he was already working on that person well before they called me. Yeah. And that's the thing we need to remember. It's not our job to save anybody. Right. It's our job to just tell them the truth about yeah. Jesus Christ. What's he done for you? What's he, how's he changed you? Let people see that. Tell them about it. And then let God do all the work. I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning.